Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 14th chapter. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So we know Jesus sends the disciples on alone at night out on the sea, and the wind and waves are really bad. There's a storm, but these are fishermen. They know storms. Now, I don't know if some of you experienced the storm on Friday that came through Purim, if you're in Purim. I was on a walk at that point, and the wind just came up, and the rain actually hurt because the wind was so strong. And I know there were people out on the lake in the middle of that storm. That's pretty scary. But imagine being out there, and all of a sudden you see someone walking across the water toward you. I would be freaked out. <laughs> I think most of us would be. That's where the disciples are. But then Jesus speaks these words to them, Take heart. It's I. Do not be afraid. These huge words of comfort. Now, our story would show perfect examples of faithfulness and discipleship if we could go immediately from those words, Take heart. It's I. Don't be afraid. If we could jump to the end of the story and hear... The disciples trusted and worshipped him. Wouldn't that be great if that's how faith works? If we came here and we heard those words for us today, take heart, it's I, and we completely trusted those words. And we went out from here and we perfectly lived them when we left this place. It'd be wonderful if that's how faith and life works. But most often, it's not. How many of you have heard words like this? And yet you've laid awake at night, filled with some worry on your mind that you just can't shake. Maybe we've pulled out our Bibles and read, The Lord is my shepherd, or cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And you want these words to ease the fear, put them to rest. And sometimes they do, but other times they don't. No matter how, how many times you read these words of comfort, the fear still wells up, and the same worries keep coming at you. In a way, that's how this story works, too. There's no clean jump from Jesus offering this promise, take heart, I'm here, don't be afraid, to the disciples being filled with trust and worship. Instead, we get the story of Peter that interrupts the space between Jesus' promise and that trust and worship. Over the years, Peter has been praised for getting out of the boat 
It's been a symbol for us needing to step out of the boat and take the risk of faith. And sometimes we do need to take a risk of faith. But I'm not sure that's the point here. Over the years, it's often been understood that when Jesus tells Peter that he has little faith, it's because Peter was out there on the water and he lost sight of Jesus. Didn't keep his focus on Jesus. And that's where his faith faltered. And I've preached that sermon. And that might be the case. But there also is more to the story. So Jesus gives this word of promise, take heart, it's I, don't be afraid, and that's great news. But Peter doesn't say, thank you, Jesus. Instead, Peter says, hold on. If it is you, prove it. If it's you, let me come out and do what you just did. Let me come to you on the water by myself, right? Have this one-on-one experience with you. It just so happens that these words, this if that Peter utters, is the same if that the devil, the tempter, uses when he tempts Jesus in the wilderness. He says, if you're the Son of God, prove it and do what I want you to do. It's the same if the high priest uses when he condemns Jesus to death. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. It's the same if the mockers at the foot of the cross holler up at Jesus as he suffers. If You are the Son of God. Come down off the cross. Peter's if, his desire to walk on water, doesn't come from faith. It comes from distrust, from this want to make Jesus do what Peter wants Jesus to do. And I wonder if when Jesus says you have little faith, it's not that his faith falters when he takes his eyes off Jesus and sinks, but instead it's when he gets out of the boat in the first place. Because when he steps out of the boat, he leaves behind his whole community of faith. All those friends who've traveled the storm with him, he steps away from them to go it alone, to kind of have this one-on-one experience with Jesus. And when he steps out of the boat, he actually prevents his friends from experiencing Jesus sooner, (laughs) right? They have to wait for Peter to go out and have this experience, wait until that's done before Jesus comes and is in the boat with them. And of course, once Peter starts walking on water, he maybe realizes what we all knew all along, that while Jesus can walk on water, human beings never were meant to. And so Peter sinks. And it's here where maybe we finally realize that the one to watch isn't Peter, but of course the one to watch is Jesus. Because what does Jesus do with his distrusting disciple? Does he cast him off because his faith isn't strong enough? How many of us at times have wondered, is my faith strong enough? I wish it were stronger, bigger. Does Jesus just leave him to his own devices because he made a bad choice? Does he tell him to pray harder and then he'll save him? No. Jesus hears his cry of help, and without hesitation, he grabs him and pulls Peter up back into the boat with all the disciples where he was meant to be all along. An ancient symbol for the church has been a boat. I don't know if you know that or not, but one time when I was on tour, choir tour in Norway, we walked into a church and there's this beautiful artwork from the ceiling. It was a boat hanging from the ceiling. And it was there meant to be a symbol to that whole congregation that we are in this life of faith together. That in the waters of baptism, we are brought into this boat (laughs) where we are meant to travel the storms of life and the calm of life together. 
so that when we need support, we are here to offer it, and we are here to do the same for those who need it. One scholar once pointed out that it's only when Jesus gets in the boat with Peter and all the other disciples, it's only then that the winds cease. And I wonder if we can help or do help each other experience that. That when we go through the storms of life that we experience, that we help make them a little less rough. I think back to this past spring, some of you know that I had a bad cold and I completely lost my voice for two weeks. And of course I timed it perfectly because I timed it right when Pastor Eric went on vacation. So I couldn't just give everything to him, couldn't just rely on him. And it might not seem like a big deal, but it was so frustrating and discouraging for me not to be able to do what I'm called to do here. And so it reminded me that I had to rely on this community of faith in a very real way for the first time. It reminds me of the verse that says, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Like Jesus, power and grace become apparent in our time of weakness because we cannot go it alone. We can't just step out of the boat and do it ourselves. So I had to reach out to several different people to lead several different things that I had prepared. And each time I reached out, I thought, oh, they're going to say no because they have to lead this thing. And every single time, those who I asked, those of you I asked said yes right away. And I was filled with this awe and gratitude at the grace and generosity and presence of God working through you in spite of my inability and my weakness. Like, I much would have preferred to step out of the boat and just do it myself, but instead experience Jesus ministering through, to me through this community of faith, through all of you who are in the boat with me. And if I just would have gone it alone... I would have missed the care and the nourishment and the support I experienced. And when I look back on that, and other times where I've been lifted up by others, it continues to nourish and encourage me. We miss the power of the church community when we try to go it alone. We miss the power of it when the church community is at its best. This week, I wonder if each one of us, what would it look like if every one of us went out from here and we offered one word of encouragement or support to someone in this faith community. It could be just a word of encouragement, a text that says, hey, I've been thinking about you. Or it could just be giving thanks to God for someone who's here. One thing that we've invited those students who are in confirmation, who are preparing for confirmation in October, one thing we've invited them to do the last few years is to write a letter of thanks to someone who's impacted their life of faith. A word of gratitude to them because we never know what kind of impact we make on people and I wonder what if each of us did that over the next few weeks wrote just one word of thanks one email or shared a word of thanks to someone who's helped us in our life of faith all these things is how the community of faith is meant to be when we are at our best in the waters of baptism which Marshall is going to experience today we are brought not only into new life with Jesus, but officially brought into the community of faith. And this community of faith, we will mess up terribly. We are made up, uh, the church is made up of people who are broken and human, 
and we will end up hurting each other, unfortunately, sometimes intentionally, more often unintentionally. I had someone said to me this week, God did not make us perfect. Instead, Jesus brings us into a life that's shaped by forgiveness and new starts and new creations, hopefully a community that seeks to practice support and healing and forgiveness and sometimes reconciliation. And so Jesus' words come to each one of us today. Take heart, he's here. Do not be afraid. No matter how much our worries or fears that we have weigh on us right now, no matter how much we are going to falter or feel like we are people of little faith, Jesus is with us. If you look at Peter, he falters here, but he falters again and again throughout his life. But eventually Jesus brings him to the point where with the Holy Spirit's power, he stands up in front of thousands of people and shares the good news and offers words of new life and hope to them. And if Jesus can do that through Peter, just imagine what Jesus might be doing through you today or next year or a few years from now in spite of, in the midst of, or maybe even through the fears and doubts that you carry with you right now. Jesus reminds us, not that there's not anything to be afraid of, because there is, but he reminds us that he's there, so that no matter what we face, no matter what fears weigh on us, we may continue on in courage together. Amen.